Welcome to the Daily Gator Daily Thought. Today, we look at a very expensive school in New York that's teaching kids that their skin color is everything and that some skin colors are just better than others. One parent has had enough. Why did CBS News crop out part of a picture to hide the fact that a young man, 13-year-old in Chicago that was recently shot by police had a pistol in his right hand? That's a good question, CBS. And we've got more. Stick with us, folks. It's going to be fun. And welcome to the Daily Gator Daily Thought with me, Doug Hagen of the Daily Gator blog. Legal Insurrection is a phenomenal blog, phenomenal website. William Jacobson, a, a professor, very bright man, very wise man, has a phenomenal website. You need to visit it. And it tackles a lot of these things the left is doing that the mainstream media is just not going to tell you about. And he's posted an expert excerpt from a man named Andrew Gutman's. He wrote a letter to his school, uh, the Brearley School in uh, Manhattan. His daughter has been going there since kindergarten, seven years total. And he has chosen to pull her out of school. He's not going to send her for another year. Maybe it's that he doesn't want to spend $54,000 to, for the honor of having his daughter learn garbage like critical race theory and to judge people, including themselves, based on nothing more than skin color. I mean, this is the kind of crap this, the Klan stood for and still does if there's any Klansmen running around there in their dunce caps and sheets. But here's part of the letter that Mr. Gutman wrote uh, to the administrators of the school and to f uh, fellow parents at that school. He announces he's not sending his daughter again, and then it really gets good. It cannot be stated strongly enough, he writes, that Brearley's obsession with race must stop. It should be abundantly clear to any thinking parent that Brearley has completely lost its way. The administration of the Board of Trustees has displayed a cowardly and appalling lack of leadership by appeasing an anti-intellectual, illiberal mob and then allowing the school to be captured by that same mob. I object to the view that I should be judged by the color of my skin. I cannot tolerate a school that not only judges my daughter by the color of her skin, but encourages and instructs her to prejudge others by theirs, by viewing every element of education, every aspect of, of history, and every facet of society through the lens of skin color and race. 
we are desecrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and utterly violating the movement for which such civil rights leaders believed, fought, and died. He continues, I object to a definition of systematic racism or systemic racism, apparently supported by Burley that any educational, professional, or societal outcome where blacks are underrepresented is prima facie evidence of the aforementioned system, systemic racism or of white supremacy and oppression. Facile and unsupported beliefs such as these are the polar opposite to the intellectual and scientific truth for which Brearley claims to stand. Furthermore, I call bullshit on Brearley's off-stated assertion that the school welcomes and encourages the truly difficult and uncomfortable conversations regarding race and the roots of racial discrepancies. And it goes on, uh, go there to legal insurrection and, and read the whole thing. Um, the fact is, you spend $54,000 a year to send your child to learn, and you would expect that that education would be top-notch, wouldn't you? There's something else you have to do, though, if you want to send your, your youngster there. You have to take an anti-racism pledge. I would uh, would not know exactly. Do you have to put your hand on a Bible? Or well, now that couldn't be right. You'd probably have to swear on uh, maybe the the bust of Lenin or 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 Trotsky or Stalin or or something like that. Maybe uh, the Washington Free Beacon had a piece on the anti-racism pledge. Uh, from students and parents for admission, they won't take your fifty-four thousand unless you've get taken on your knee and swore to to believe in anti-racism. Based on documents reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon, the Brearley School, an all-girls private school located on the Upper East Side of Manhattan asked the parents of prospective students to explain how their family's values align with the school's, listen carefully, commitment to creating an anti-racist and inclusive school community. The application also states that the $54,000 per year the school charges requires all members, including at least one parent or guardian, to participate in required anti-racist training and ongoing reflection. Whoa, you've got to kiss the ass of the brown shirts before they'll take your $54,000 to indoctrinate your child to be bitter and to hate America and hate white people and have this twisted view of the country that it's steeped in nothing but racism, 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 white supremacy, of course, but that somehow the only cure for racism is to be yourself a racist. As long as you're a little little Stalin starter kit, then it's okay to be racist. Despicable. Uh, again, go read the whole letter. More parents need to get off their asses and fight against crap like this that schools do. Because you know what? It doesn't take too many parents standing up before the school will say, Ugh. your school starts seeing those $54,000 checks not coming through, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch their eye. It really is. Now, here's an important question. We, we are often left after mass shootings, school shootings, 
which the media, of course, pimps as best they can to push gun control, we're often left believing that we have to choose between our Second Amendment gun rights, which are from God, their natural rights, and stopping crime, reducing violent crime. At Bearing Arms, Tom Knighton has a, a good, thoughtful piece up. Uh, and it's entitled Addressing Violence. Notice he didn't say gun violence. Addressing violence without trampling on gun rights. He writes, violent crime has surged over the last year or two. This comes after decades of decline. For many, this is evidence that we need gun control. Obviously, he writes, I disagree, and so do a lot of people. You have to remember this, folks. For about 30 years, 25, 30 years, the violent crime was going down, 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 down. All while gun ownership, the number of people carrying, concealed carrying, carrying openly, legally, law-abiding citizens, all while the sale of AR-15s was going up, up, up. So more guns, more guns, more liberty with guns, more rights to carry guns, more rights to self-defense, uh, stand your ground laws, all these things the left hates. All these things were happening and violent crime was going down. Last couple of years has been different. <clears throat> Might have something to do with the war on cops and the fact that uh, we've had a pandemic and we've had a lot of riots that, sadly, governmental leaders at all levels kind of, unless they were named Donald Trump, didn't stand up and put thugs in their place and prevent them from rioting. There's been a lot of reasons. <clears throat> When folks like you or I address gun control, Knighton continues, though we're often asked what should be done to address the issue. That's what Washington Examiner editor Jay Caruso wants to address. One of his suggestions <clears throat> is something I think is workable, even in our current political environment. And yes, go to the Washington Examiner, read the piece by uh, Jay Caruso. Uh, if you go to Bearing Arms... The link is there to the Washington Examiner piece. But Caruso writes, Second, prosecute straw purchasers with more vigor. Now, what is a straw purchaser? You might not know. Basically, if you buy a firearm <clears throat> from a licensed gun dealer, you have to have the, 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 the NICS, the federal background check, th run through the FBI. Now, there are people who cannot pass this background check. They have the money to buy. They will find somebody to do a straw purchase for them. What they'll do is they'll say, here, here's, uh, here's a credit card or here's whatever amount, amount of money the weapon or weapons are going to cost. Go down to wherever, wherever you go to buy your farms. You can pass a background check. <clears throat> And on the, the form you fill out, you have to vow, yes, that you're the person buying the weapon for you. You're not buying for someone else because that would be a straw purchase. And sadly, straw purchasers have not gotten a lot of punishment for breaking the law. <clears throat> the ATF and Justice Department are limited, Caruso writes, to investigating and prosecuting charges related to giving false statements on a federal forms. So there's no federal laws addressing straw purchases directly. 
Maybe Congress could take some time and write a bill like that. <clears throat> Line 21A of Form 4473 asks, Are you the actual transferee slash buyer of the firearms listed on this form and any continuation sheets? Now, if a person answers affirmatively, but they're actually buying it for someone else, that's a straw purchase, we need to get serious about that. Longer sentences. It's part of the way you deal with violent crime. Like, you know, if someone does a serious crime, assault and battery, aggravated battery, kidnapping, rape, attempted murder, murder, longer sentences. Too many people commit violent felonies that hurt innocent people and they get out of prison way too early. I would argue that we need to lock some, some people that commit really violent crimes. That needs to be the major focus, is putting them their butts in prison and basically throwing away the key. I'm sorry. If you rape someone, if you stole a gun, bought a gun illegally, whatever, and you go right around shooting people or threatening people, committing armed robbery, carjacking, you don't need to get out of prison. <clears throat> Pardon me. Pollen is killing me in this part of the country. Probably is you too. But that's a basic step, folks. That's a basic, basic step. And here's some information. The ATF's annual budget is a mere $1.4 out of nearly $5 trillion. It's lower than the Secret Service budget. Why are we taking a $5 trillion uh, budget and only spending $1.4 to go after straw purchasers? If it's such a problem, and it is a problem, why aren't we, we going after them, identifying them, charging them, trying them, and throwing their ass in prison for about 10 years? A lot of people would stop doing it. A new strategy, Caruso continues, is needed to deal with gun violence that includes input not only from gun control advocates, but also from Second Amendment proponents. That's a huge problem. People who are the, the Gabby Giffords of the world, the Moms Demand Action crowd, the uh, other Bloomberg's paid, paid little sycophants that run around spreading gun control lies, they get input. You need input from people who carry concealed, people who have used guns in self-defense. I am one of those people. You need input from a lot of different sources. You need ideas and listen to the ideas. Who knows, you may get something else. Uh, also, the ATF currently employs under 1,800 special agents across the country. Uh, the Secret Service has 3,200. Now, I don't think the Secret Service should be reduced. I think the ATF should be increased. And we can find the money somewhere in the budget. Maybe we could stop paying for research into the sex lies of, uh, I don't know, Robins or something. I mean, fine, Robins have sex, they have baby birds. Okay, that's great. We don't, do we really need to know why and how more than we need to lock up and go after and charge people who commit straw purchases and help violent criminals commit violent crimes that hurt real Americans? I think priorities. Over 80%, listen to this, 
over 80% of the guns used in violent crimes are attributed to straw purchases. Think about that. That is from Richard Marianos, who's a professor at Georgetown and a 27-year veteran of the ATF. Think about that. Over 80% of the guns used in violent crimes at some point went through a straw purchase. Now, I, like Tom Knighton, would like to see the data for that. Uh, but we we have to agree, we can certainly, that straw purchases are a major problem. The media doesn't talk about them. It's not sexy, I guess. It seems like real solutions are being pushed aside for the interest of disarming the populace because some people just hate guns or just sensationalizing uh, mass shootings and other things like that. And it's sad. I want the problem solved myself. What about you? I think you do too. Now, from there we have another story from Bearing Arms again, again by Tom Knighton. I think I should pay me some money for all this publicity, don't you think, folks? Gun control billboard pop up in Boulder with idiotic message, writes Knighton. This is from yesterday. And he writes, anti-gun people in this country aren't likely to go away anytime soon. This is to be expected, especially right now when it seems they figure they have all the momentum and we're mostly sitting here playing defense. Something else that's likely not to go away anytime soon is the idiotic argument that tend to make they tend to make to justify their anti-gun push. A prime example comes from the billboards popping up in Boulder, Colorado. The billboard reads, <clears throat> imagine highway traffic, highways using traffic laws written in 1791. Imagine radio, television, and the internet governed by regulations written in 1791. Imagine limiting yourself to medical care available in 1791. The Second Amendment was written in 1791. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. Well, the fact is there's some differences here. Highways, having a car or a bicycle or motorcycle or whatever, it's not a constitutional right. It's not a natural right. It's not a God-given right. Being able to own a firearm is. Being able to own multiple firearms is. Self-defense is. Uh, medical care, again, none of this makes sense for this reason. As Tom Knighton sums up, that's the dumbest crap I'm likely to read today. And considering what I do for a living, that's saying something. The problem here, he writes, is that they're not really grasping the difference between these examples and the Second Amendment. As I've said, driving, for example, is classified as a privilege. Not a white privilege, just a regular garden variety privilege. Not a right. Radio and television are regulated in part to prevent two different stations from trying to use the fre same frequency for their broadcasts. There's no law limiting medical care earlier, excuse me, either in 1791 or today. <clears throat> in every case, they're comparing a protected right to something that has absolutely nothing to do with rights. Let's compare apples to apples for a moment. 
He says, the First Amendment was written in 1791 as well. Despite that, people can still use the radio, television, and internet to criticize the government, advance their religious faith, or even talk absolute nonsense by claiming the government is really run by lizard people. Lizard people. Come on. It's run by Sasquatches. Everyone knows that. That's who flies the black helicopters are the Sasquatches. That's for the Alex Jones listeners out there. The First Amendment holds up quite nicely. Further, the Fourth Amendment, also written in 1791, protects you from the government snooping into your emails or hacking into your computer to peruse your hard drive's contents. See, rights continue to apply even after the days of the Founding Fathers. The Bill of Rights was constructed to apply in all times to the undreamed of technology we now experience, and that includes our right to keep and bear arms. Guns were how our Founding Fathers won their freedom. Here's a spoiler alert if you haven't read about the Revolutionary War and a lot of American history. Here's a spoiler alert. The Founding Fathers didn't pay off the British. They didn't win a bet with them. No, they shot them until they agreed to go away and leave us alone and let us be our own damn country. Actually, at the time, 13 independent colonies that later formed a country. But that's a that's neither here nor there right now. They rightly understood, the founders did, how we would keep our freedom as well. Honestly, Knighton continues, this kind of this kind of argument is beyond ridiculous. They sure wouldn't like it if we played that same game with their free speech or their freedom to worship or not worship. They wouldn't like it if we use the argument to justify the government simply marching into the home to search for incriminating evidence whenever they wanted to. Yet, those same amendments were written right at the same time as the Second Amendment. If that's a valid argument against the Second Amendment, well, you can reach your conclusion for your own. Pretty simple, folks. Second Amendment says what it means and means what it says. Here's a little question you can ask somebody when they talk about the right of the, the Second Amendment gives the right of the militia to keep and bear arms. Ask them this. Ask them why, it, why is it that the, the founders wrote the Second Amendment to say a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms. They didn't write the right of the militia to keep and bear arms. If that's what the founders meant, they would have said the right of the militia. But they didn't. A, the, the people were, in the entire entirety, were the militia, in effect. But it states clearly that a militia's needed the right of the people they didn't write, again, the right of the militia to keep and bear arms or the right of members of the militia to keep and bear arms. They wrote clearly and concisely the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Basic English. Apparently the cults of gun control can't do that. Uh, now let's get to our final, final story 
everyone by now, I'm sure, has heard that last month in Chicago, a 13-year-old boy named Adam Toledo uh, was shot and killed by a Chicago police officer. <clears throat> a lot of people have been screaming that the boy was unarmed. He had his hands up when he was shot. And that he really was just an innocent completely innocent boy and this is why we need to defund police eliminate police trash police and not have any a police force or disarm them whatever just idiotic stuff but watching a video at the tatum report yesterday because uh, mr tatum is a former officer and he breaks things down very well and he showed some video clips that i have seen other places but not from uh, the mainstream news sources. And in one of those clips, you see this 13-year-old boy, Adam Toledo, walking with someone in his, I believe, uh, in his 20s. And it follows him, and, and right around the corner from where Toledo would eventually get shot, what brought the cops here to begin with were he and this 21-year-old, I believe 21, but in his 20s, whatever, were just randomly firing their guns. Uh, you you hear the, the bullets, you hear the shots, and you see where they're shooting. And the pitch dark is about 2.30 in the morning. What the hell is a 13-year-old doing out with a firearm at, at 2.30 in the morning, just randomly shooting? Hmm. That's an interesting question. But when the officers are called they go out to check on the shooting. They find these two individuals. The one officer almost immediately apprehends the older person, takes them into custody, handcuffs them, all that. The 13-year-old, Adam Toledo, takes off down this alley. You've seen the video, I'm sure. And you see the body camera of the officer is recording this. He's chasing after him. <clears throat> now, when they get near the the opening in the fence that the 13 year old looks like he's going to run into you hear the police officer saying drop it drop it drop it the police officer has seen a firearm in this kid's hand and he did have one and if you look carefully you break it down go frame by frame right before he is shot there's an image or images rather of adam toledo with a semi-automatic pistol plain as day, in his right hand, held behind his back. Now, from the position the police officer's in, he can see the weapon. <clears throat> he knows the kid has a gun in his right hand. He knows this. The kid's left hand is up near his face. He's standing at the edge of the opening of the fence. So you really can, you can see his left arm. You, he's turned catty corner, kind of the police officer. Who knows, again, there's a there's a pistol in this kid's hand. Now, what the kid is trying to do, I believe, is he throws the, the firearm behind the fence, maybe to hide it, maybe thinks he'll get away with having it, whatever the case. He's trying to ditch the gun. But from the police officer's perspective, <clears throat> he sees a kid, and he sees that kid's right arm where the pistol's being held in the right hand, coming moving in a direction that's what and the kid goes basically in one motion okay you're standing almost sideways to the police officer your left hand's out he can see that 
The kid's got a ball cap on. He knows there's a pistol in the right hand, the officer does. As the kid is throwing the gun behind the fence to ditch it, to hide it. He's also turning his body and the left hand comes up, the right hand comes up after it's ditched the gun. But all the officer has time to do in a split second decision is, is to think this, there's a pistol there in his hand, that hand's coming around, it's coming around towards me. He really had to make that decision that quickly. And he fires one shot, struck the boy in the chest. Uh, and then of course you see the, uh, you hear the, the horror in the officer's voice uh, as he's trying to, to administer uh, emergency care and, and save this kid's life, which is heartbreaking because officers do this all the time. They don't want to shoot anybody. I know he damn sure didn't want to shoot the kid. But that officer had a choice. Shoot to save his own life or take the chance that the kid was going to kill him. And he had no way of knowing that the kid was, was looking to ditch the pistol. That's my opinion of what happened. He was looking to ditch the pistol, and that's when he gets shot. <clears throat> and if you look at the, there's a camera from behind that shows the kid's back and shows the motion of the pistol going alongside the fence as it's being thrown away by the kid. But he's turning around at the same time, and again, the officer has really only one thing he can think, and it is tragic. Um, and of course the raw emotion of this is terrible 13 year olds aren't supposed to get shot they aren't supposed to be carrying illegal firearms or firing randomly into the air either uh, I don't know the full story of this kid it is horrific what happened uh, but the, the police officer I firmly believe had no choice unless he wanted to commit suicide by letting the kid come all the way around and shoot him. And I think anybody in that situation would have would have thought, yes, he's that there's a gun there in that hand, that hand's coming around towards me. Um, <clears throat> because again the kid was turning his body to face the police officer as he was ditching the gun. So in that split second, there's really nothing else the officer uh, could think reasonably. Uh, but CBS News had an image, right? We've heard that his hands were up. He wasn't armed. But the picture, the frame that CBS showed, they cropped out part of the picture so you don't see the gun in the kid's hand. And there's more than one frame that shows the pistol in his hand. Now, was this just an oversight by CBS News? Or was it a little bit of... Uh, Let's keep the narrative alive. Was it to sell sell the advertisement time to get ratings up? I don't know. But I know that whether it was deliberate or not, if, if it's deliberate, CBS News should, uh, I don't know what they need to do because they're purely evil when you're hiding that. But CBS News did something else besides furthering the narrative and, I believe, trying to keep that alive, that here, unarmed, 13-year-old killed by cops, because maybe CBS and their anchors and reporters are as woke as all the other media is now. <clears throat> but there's another element to this you need to consider. The message, the narrative is already out there. 
thousands and thousands and thousands of people believe this 13-year-old kid was basically shot down in cold blood when he had his hands up by a Chicago police officer. I don't think the officer will be charged. But if he is and goes to trial, there's no way in hell he will be convicted. He will be exonerated. Then what will we have? After months and months and months more of the media cooking that up, uh, cooking the cooking the stew up, so to speak. What will happen then? More rioting, more violence, more looting, more death, more destruction, more division. Is it worth it, CBS News, to to get some ratings up? Is it worth it to hide the gun in the kid's hand? Because you did it for one of two reasons. Either the person putting this together just didn't see the firearm, or they deliberately, selectively, willingly cropped it out. It's shameful. And the Federalist has a really good piece on this. Uh, you should go read, folks. Um, it is, again, I don't know... It's hard for me to, to find words sometimes because the fact that CBS News would do this is, it shows the rot in our media right now. It takes the ideal of fake news to new heights. Uh, and from this story, again, which is on The Federalist, uh, Jordan Davidson wrote it. He writes that body cam footage released this week appears to show Toledo, Adam Toledo, holding a weapon moments before he was shot. But CBS News posted a clip to its website and its Twitter page that cropped out the footage showing the teen's alleged firearm. Uh, Jerry Dunleavy tweeted, CBS News shared a version of the police body cam footage where the right and left edges of the video were trimmed away, meaning that the portion of the video where Adam Toledo is seen holding a firearm at one point is no longer visible uh, because it's now just off the screen. And again, I don't see how this happened any other way but deliberately. We know the media has earned a reputation for being fake news. You know, they, they didn't, it wasn't like Trump said fake news and then everyone started accusing the media of being fake and having agendas. That idea was around a long time ago, and it's been true for a long time. Uh, the CBS News article accompanying the crop video did not directly acknowledge that Toledo was armed. Instead, and again, you cannot watch the clip as I'm sure CBS News did, you cannot watch it and not see the firearm. You can't. But they did somehow. Instead, the corporate media organization aired opposing claims from Eric Stillman, the law enforcement officer, who said he shot Toledo because he was faced with a life-threatening and deadly force situation. They said what the officer said, but they didn't show the evidence that supported what the what the officer said. 
And Toledo's family attorney, who claimed the gun was not in a teen's hands, uh, when Stillman fired off a shot. So that was a false claim. CBS did not respond to the Federalist's request for comments. While a semi-automatic pistol was recovered at the scene, uh, multiple politicians, such as Chicago's Mayor Lori Lightfoot, also known as Beetlejuice, claimed there was no evidence of the, that the teen fired the weapon before he was shot. Failed Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang tweeted that Toledo was unarmed during the incident. Well, you need to get your eyes checked, Mr. Mr. Yang and Governor Lightfoot Beetlejuice. If you don't know why I call her Beetlejuice, just search for an image of her. <clears throat> You'll pick it up pretty quick. Said there's no evidence a teen fired the weapon. You think a teen has to actually shoot at a cop for a cop to have a right to return fire? No, if you, I guarantee you. There was a man in, in I believe, Fort Worth, Texas, a few years ago. There was a, a, an intruder in his home. He had a, a, a weapon that he had run the intruder off with. He'd called police. When the police came, uh, pulled up in his driveway, he foolishly ha picked the weapon up again and had it in his hand, was coming towards police with it. And uh, immediately uh, they, they demanded he drop the weapon. He didn't. And uh, he was shot and killed. And that was a tragic situation. But again, police officers aren't psychic. They know there's an intruder at this residence. They went to the residence. There's a man with a gun coming at them. Um, <clears throat> you have to understand, police work isn't perfect. I'm not an expert on it. I'm not claiming to be. Uh, but if you use some common sense... Uh, and you also should consider this from the Federalist piece that CBS News recently came under fire for deceptively editing out portions of a 60 Minutes interview with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Remember that? Uh, while the corporate media organization deliberately left out portions of an interview with the Republican in an attempt to create a scandal surrounding his decision to use a local grocery store chain to administer COVID-19 vaccinations untouched footage of the interview shows that cbs cut out key facts such as which pharmacies received the first doses of the covid 19 vaccine when Publix was selected to distribute doses and which location in florida had the most seniors and they also left out testimony or, or statements from a De the democratic mayor uh in that part of florida and a couple other Democrats that supported Ron DeSantis and said he was guilty of uh, nothing wrong, by the way. That's it, my friends. Uh, my voice is going, uh, so I'm going to probably give it a day or two of rest. So don't expect this one for a new one of these for a couple days. Remember, you can support thedelegator.com. Click on the sticky post, hit the PayPal button. You can also support the Delegator Daily Thought Podcast. Uh, just click on Anchor, anchor.duckhagen. All my episodes will pop up. You can listen to all of them. Uh, show off to your friends. Repeat some of the things I say. Your friends will think you're really cool like that. And you can donate there if you like. You can also drop some money in an envelope by my front door. That's also acceptable because money. Anyway, thank you. And if you can't donate, 
No problem, my friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the moral support. If you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. And go Gators. Y'all have a good one. Take care, my friends.